for those that's not been with us before, I'm going to go ahead and give you those six. That way uh, you can go ahead and study those out if you would choose to do so. The first time that we see that statement is in Romans 1.13. Uh, the second time that we see that statement is Romans chapter 11, verse 25. That's what we're going to be looking at today. We looked at the other one last week. The third one is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. We'll look at that um, next week. Uh, the fourth one is uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Uh, we'll look at that the first Sunday in February because we're not going to be here the, the 31st of January. Uh, and then the following, yeah, the following Sunday, the second Sunday in, in February, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 8. And then we'll be at the, the teen retreat um, the 20th, and then the following Sunday, we'll finish up the series, Our Catching Away, which is 1 Thessalonians 4.13. So those are the six verses uh, where that phrase, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, shows up, or a variation of that. So that's Romans 1.13, Romans 11.25, 1 Corinthians 10.1, 1 Corinthians 12.1, 2 Corinthians 1.8, and then 1 Thessalonians 4.13. So uh, that kind of gives you an idea of, of where we're going to go with this uh, in this series. And uh, our idea is we're going to look at, at each one of these individually. Now, <clears throat> what, what happens is, as we go through these, we're going to find out that a lot of these have to do with dispensational issues. And that's an interesting point, right? And we'll see this as we go through there because that, that's an interesting point because the folks, the brethren that are ignorant, um, they're ignorant because they don't understand the dispensational truths, right? So let's read, let's read here, Romans chapter 11, verse 25, and uh, then we'll get going. Uh, Romans eleven twenty-five. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have your word. And as we take a look at this, uh, these, these phrases that, that Paul uses, may we come to a greater knowledge and appreciation of your word, uh, that we might be able to come to, uh, come to your word and allow your word to be the final authority in all things, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, there's, there's a few things that we kind of understand as far as this goes. But remember, go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 13. And I want you to see, I want you to see some of these things again as, as we continue on. And like I said, the majority of these are really dealing with dispensational issues, right? Um, the very first one that we saw is Romans chapter 1, verse 13. He says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, that I might, and I'm going to skip the parenthetical there, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as other, even as among other Gentiles. And of course, we're, what he's talking about there is he's not saying, I want to see fruit in you all. He's saying, I want to have fruit among you all, right? Uh, even as among other Gentiles. Um, and that's an interesting thing. Because what he's saying is there's some truths that we find in, in, in his writings alone. And the issue there is that they may be established, right? And we talked about that, that they're going to be comforted together by that mutual faith. And 
that is that starts off with what? Knowing and understanding the 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 dispensational distinctions that we have because of Paul. And it's it's really not even because of Paul, but it's because of God and what he chose to do before the foundation of the world that he was going to do something with the cross that he kept secret from Satan. Now again, we'll talk about that when we talk about that in another series. But there's an issue here that I want us to make sure that we see. Romans chapter 11, you don't, you don't really get any more dispensational as far as the issues in, in these six statements that Paul makes about, I don't want you to be ignorant. Notice here in Romans eleven twenty five, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, there's, there's something that's taking place in the context of what's going on, in Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, the, Paul answers the question, well, what about Israel, right? Because in the first eight chapters of the book of Romans, you've got the justification of all mankind because all mankind is what? Under sin. We find that out. That's all, all are under sin. We've, we've, both, we've proved both Jews and Gentiles that they're all under sin, right? Yes. You see that in Romans chapter 3. We find out a little bit later on in chapter 3 that God is now revealing something about, making manifest something about His righteousness through the faith of Jesus Christ, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? The fact that He went to the cross, He fully, he, he, he fully obeyed and relied upon God and God's Word His entire life all the way up until He goes to the cross and including the cross. And, of course, one of the things that came after that is was his burial and then, of course, his resurrection three days later. But there's something else that's going on with this. Now, go real quick, because I want us to keep this in mind, too. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There's, there's something, and we'll talk about this in another series um, that, that we're going to look at, but I want us to be able to see something real quick, all right? Um, we we of course we all know we all know the chart, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God creates man, puts Adam here on the earth. Um, from Genesis chapter one through Genesis chapter eleven, God's dealing with all people on the earth, which are Gentiles. In Genesis chapter twelve, God calls out Abraham, then he hit Isaac, Jacob, and then he creates the nation of Israel when they come out of Egypt. That's that first birth, if you will, right? You know, when Jesus Christ tells Nicodemus, ye must be born again, well, he's talking about the fact that they were born as a nation coming out of Egypt. Um, Then, of course, God solidifies that wall of separation between the Jew and Gentile with the law of Moses. And then we come down a little bit later on, we've got John the Baptist shows up, and then he's talking about Jesus Christ coming. Then we've got the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And then we have the Holy Spirit coming down in Acts chapter 2, which was before promised. In Acts chapter 7, what happens? We have the stoning of Stephen, right? Stephen, of course, if you read Romans chapter, or Acts chapter 7, you find out he is giving the nation of Israel a history lesson going all the way back. And he says, this is where we are right now. And what takes place is they stone Stephen. Now, one of the greatest blunders of religious folks out there is they see that the nation of Israel fell at the cross 
Well, we find out that that's not true because God is still dealing with Israel after the death, run, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So then what we find out here in Romans chapter 11 is that there is an issue where they stumble but don't fall at, the, at the, the crucifixion of Christ. In fact, Christ on the cross says what? Forgive them, Father, for it's, they know not what they do. And what he's doing is he's taking the parable that he taught about giving them one more year, and that's exactly what we have in Acts chapter 1 through 7. And so then we have they stumble but don't fall, but at another point in Romans 11 we talk about he, we find out that they do fall. And they're diminishing allows salvation to go to the Gentiles without the nation of Israel being the conduit, if you will, to take that salvation to the Gentiles. Now, what's interesting is we see that found out in Romans chapter 11. But notice this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse. we'll start off here in verse 6. Paul says, How be it, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a what? Mystery. Mystery. There is something that God has kept secret. Notice, even the hidden wisdom of God. Right. So even the hidden wisdom. So there is, there is a mystery that God had kept secret. Now, the mystery that Paul is referring to in Romans 11 isn't the mystery that Paul refers to in, in, in Ephesians 3, but it's part of the mystery that Paul talks about in Ephesians 3. Does that make sense? And we'll see this as we go through. But notice, <clears throat> but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now, what's interesting about this is, and we'll, we'll look at this in the series a little bit later on, is the main fight be between God and Satan isn't power, but it's wisdom. What did God's wisdom do? Notice, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Question, was the death of Jesus Christ prophesied in the Old Testament Scriptures? Yes, you can go read about it in Isaiah 53 and some other verses. Was, he, was it prophesied that he would be buried? Yes, we're told that he's going to be in a borrowed tomb. Was his resurrection prophesied? Yes, we can see all that stuff. So is the death, throne, and resurrection of Christ the thing that, that was kept secret? No. There's something else that goes along with that. So here's the other thing. Think about this. When Christ was on the earth and he told the nation of Israel, says, blaspheming against the Son will be forgiven, but blaspheming what? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, will not be forgiven. So what Satan knows is that, right? So what he, all he has to do is get the nation of Israel to do what? Blaspheme the Holy Ghost. And I'll win. Mm -hmm. Not just get rid of the not just get rid of the one who's going to be king, but that's not a secret. What was God's secret is through the fall, what's going to happen is salvation goes to the Gentiles without anybody else knowing about it. Mm -hmm. 
Now, the problem with that is you say that statement and everybody says, well, you believe that Gentile salvation was the mystery. No. Gentile salvation without Israel is what we have today, which is different. Were the Gentiles, could they be saved back here in the Old Testament? Yes. Absolutely. Over and over we found that. But the main thing that we got to keep in mind there is salvation for Israel was what? The kingdom. So then there's something else that's taking place that we want to make sure that we see. So what God does before the foundation of the world, he says, I'm going to do something with that death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm going to keep it secret. And I'm not going to reveal that secret until the right time. Notice real quick, go over to... Um, <clears throat> Go over, to, go over to Titus real quick. Titus chapter 1. I want us to be able to, to see some things because it's really interesting um, when, we, when we think about this stuff uh, in, in, in light of all this. Notice in, Ephes in Titus chapter 1, uh, look at verse 2. <clears throat> Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie... Promised when? Before the, before the world began. So there is something that God promised before the world began. Question. Who was there before the world began? Father, God. Father, Son, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, right? Yeah. So God makes a promise to Himself before the world began. No one else was there to make the promise to it. You know, you think about this. When God promises that He's going to preserve His Word and His Word was settled in heaven, who is it that He promised that He's going to preserve His Word is Himself. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's an interesting thing to think about when you talk about those things. But notice this in verse 3. But hath in... What's those next two words? Due time. times manifested His Word through preaching which is committed unto... Me. That's important for us to know. Hath in due times, when you think about due times, we talked about this before, right? If, if a woman's pregnant, there is a time when she's due, right? There's a time when it's going to take place. Did God already know when he was going to reveal the mystery? Yeah. So in due times, that doesn't mean that he's predestined everything, but he's, he knows. Think about this. Does God know what would happen to you if you don't get saved? Yeah. Does God know what's going to happen to you if you do get saved? Yeah. Does that mean He makes the choice for you to get saved or not? No. But He knows the outcome of both of those things. That's an interesting thing to think about. And you also think, that makes me think, what if the nation of Israel had not blasphemed against the Holy Spirit? Do we know what would have taken place if that, if, that, if that took place? Do we know how what we teach today would be different had they not blasphemed the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 7? We don't. But does God? Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's interesting. You think about those things. But notice, in due times manifested His word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. 
Now, when you go back over to 1 Thessalonians or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you, you think about these things. There is something that God kept secret. And part of that is what we're going to find out over in Romans chapter 11. But keep these things in mind. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. One of, we talked about this before, one of Satan's boasts is you can't keep a secret from me. Now, there's some things we'll talk about when we, when we deal with that. But what happened is, is God kept a secret. The only thing that God had to do to defeat Satan in the heaven and the earth is to keep a secret. And that's exactly what he did. And that shows you how powerful keeping silent is. Yeah, and that shows you how powerful just keeping silent would be. Now, when we think about this, God, God knows that, there's, that they're going to do this out there, and he knows what he's going to do. Now, one of the things that a lot of people come along and they'll say about dispensationalism is what? Well, you've created a plan B because things didn't go right the first time, so God had to come up with a way to fix it. That's not what it is at all. This was pre-planned. This, was, this is something that he knew was going to take place. So go back real quick to Romans chapter 11, and let's, let's, let's keep these things in mind. I want to go look at something real quick. Notice, in Romans chapter 11, verse 25, <clears throat> For I would not, brethren that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, what Paul's talking about is there is a particular mystery that he's dealing with in Romans 11 that's not the, the mystery in Ephesians 3, right? There is a specific mystery that Paul is dealing with that he's revealing that was never before revealed, never talked about in the Old Testament, and a lot of times what people do is they'll say, well, Paul was given further revelation on things that were already in Scripture. Well, what we see here is not something that you're, going to be able, that you're not going to see um, in Scripture. So let's take a look at a couple things real quick. Go back. Well, let's continue this on real quick. Um, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye be wise in your own conceits. Now, what's this mystery? that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So I want you to think about this real quick. Think about the nation of Israel like so, right? Now you got to think back. You go back to when Paul was, was, was given this information around in, in Acts 9, started off in Acts 9 and, and so on. What's, what's, what's also interesting about this is, is Paul's talking about a mystery in Romans chapter 11 that he wrote in Acts chapter 20, right? We talked about he wrote... He wrote Romans in Acts chapter 20, verse 2. Now, he's talking about something. <clears throat> so, by the time from Acts 9 to Acts 20, God's revealed to Paul something. But what's interesting is we see it come to pass prior to. So, that, that's an interesting thing. But I want you to think about what's going on. You've got the entire nation of Israel there. Within that nation of Israel is what? The little flock, the believing remnant, right? So their goal was they've got all these people out here that's members of 
the nation of Israel that's not part of the little flock, what do they do? They go and they bring that person in, right? Now, what happens is you've got a whole bunch of people out here that's not part of the little flock, right? Mm -hmm. So then what Paul's been, what he's dealing with here, notice he says that blindness in part is happened. So the issue there is folks that are part of the little flock, are they the ones that are blinded? And the answer is no. The blinded people are those out there. That's outside of the little flock. huh? The apostate Israel. You often stop and you think, do, do people now practicing Jews, do they believe Jesus Christ came and was crucified and buried and rose again? They're still waiting for their Messiah, right? Which is why when the Antichrist shows up, they're going to say, there's the Christ. Now, what's interesting is, you go through and you think about those things, why do they believe that still is why? Because they're blinded. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But notice, and there's a dispensational issue that we see here. All right? Um, so, blindness in part has happened to Israel. Down here you've got all the Gentile nations, right? But blindness in part... Are the Gentiles already blinded? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're in darkness. It's a given. They've been in darkness since Abraham was called out from among them. They've been in darkness. That's why there's that separation down there. They've been in darkness. They're already under sin. Was the nation of Israel declared to be under sin? Not until you get to Romans chapter 3, right? Paul says that. Now, what's interesting is we go through here and... and there's a few other things I want us to get to, but notice this real quick. Go over to go over to Acts chapter 13. And we've kind of looked at this before, uh, but not, not together with this. So I want us to be able to see this. Blindness in part has happened to Israel. That's the mystery that he's dealing with in Romans 11:25. Okay? He says, blindness in part has, has happened to Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles. We'll talk about that part here in a moment. But notice here in Acts chapter 13, we'll start off here in verse verse 1. All right? This is, so we've got the salvation of Saul here in Acts chapter 9, right? We're, we're down here in Acts chapter 13. And, you know, there's, there's, there's ideas out there. Um, you want to call yourself mid-Acts. Does that mean you're Acts 9? Are you in Acts, Acts, Acts 11, Acts 13? Where is it that you want to put yourself? Um, some people say that the body of Christ doesn't start till 13 when Paul's actually sent out. Um, if that's what you want to believe, that's fine. Um, we believe and teach that Acts 9 is when it started. Um, really, what we're looking at is the distinctiveness that comes from Paul, right? That's the issue. Um, but if you want to fuss and fight about 13 or 11 or 18, there's another one, 18. Um, the two bad ones are 28 and 2, right? Yeah. Um, neither of those guys understand their Bible at all. Acts 2 people or Acts 28 people, they have... Anyway, I'll leave that one alone. But 
Acts 9 is where it starts. But notice here in Acts chapter 13, this is when Paul is sent out. Notice in verse 1, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and, uh, and, and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, uh, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now, what's interesting to me is the last one on the list is Saul. Uh, you know, when he talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 15 that I'm the least of all the apostles, I, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. It's interesting that, that he ends up in the last one there. But notice, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, we've talked about this work that they have that work has to do with some issues in Romans chapter 11, all right? The work that they have was to what? Hold your place there. We will get back to that and go over to Romans chapter 11. The majority of the time when Acts 2, Acts 28, people are fussing and fighting, the main issue is, is the misunderstanding of Romans chapter 11 and the ministry of Paul, all right? Romans chapter 11, verse 11. We've kind of got this from here. Uh, we've already talked about it a little bit, but I want us to see this. Romans eleven eleven. I say then, have they, talking about Israel, stumbled that they should fall? Answer, God forbid. But rather through their fall is salvation come to the Gentiles. Why? Why was salvation come to the Gentiles is what? To provoke, for to provoke them to jealousy. So, when salvation goes to the Gentiles, why did that, why was, what was the purpose of it is to what? To provoke these guys to jealousy, the apostate Israel, right? Have you ever thought about that? That's the issue. He's provoking those guys to jealousy. That wouldn't be the purpose of the mystery then, would it? That's part of it. That's part of it. That is part of the mystery. That's, that's part of what his work, you know, we just read in, in Acts 13, that there's a work that he's separated Paul and Barnabas to, and that work is to what? To provoke the nation of Israel to jealousy. Notice verse 12. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Now, what he's dealing with there is he's saying what? What, what Saul's goal is to do is to say, who's later called Paul, his goal, his work is to what? To take salvation to these guys down here, to provoke these guys up here, to come to God the same way the, these guys down here do. Right? That's, that's his goal. That's the purpose. That's his purpose during the book of Acts. That's the work that they've been separated out to do. Go back over to Romans chapter, or Acts chapter 13. All right? With that in mind. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. The work, remember, is what? To do what? Provoke these guys into emulation, to act like these guys, 
to come to God the same way that the Gentiles do. Notice. Let's drop down to verse 6. Remember, blindness in part has is happened to Israel, right? Until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Notice in verse 6. And when they had gone, talking about Barnabas and Saul, and when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. All right? So here you've got Saul, Barnabas. You've got a false prophet who's what? He's a Jew. What's his name? Bar-Jesus. Which was with the deputy of the county or the country, Sergius Paulus. All right? So you've got Sergius Paulus here. A prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Now stop and think about this real quick. Sergius Paulus is what? He's a Gentile. The false prophet up here, we're told, is a what? He's a Jew. So what's interesting here is you've got Sergius Paulus, who is a Gentile. What's he do? He sends for and calls for Saul and Barnabas to come. So you've got a Gentile wanting to know the message that these guys are preaching. Continue on. But Elimaeus, the sorcerer, for, his, for so is his name by interpretation, is that's this false prophet up here, the Jew guy, right? Or the Jew, the Elimaeus, the sorcerer. I shouldn't say the Jew guy. That sounds kind of... The Jewish man. Notice withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So what's this false prophet, Elimaeus, the sorcerer, what's he do is he tried to prevent this Gentile from hearing about the faith that Saul and Barnabas was to teach. That he called for them to teach. He's, he's trying to prevent... Notice, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Stop there for a second. That's the religious system right now today. The religious system is being used to withstand and to turn people away from the message that we preach and teach today. And and the the most influential thing that they have to do that is that other version of the Bible. They're able to promote that stuff and teach that stuff so that you think all the Bible is one big message when it's not, clearly. But notice, verse 9, Then Saul, who is also called Paul, we see that there, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O O full of all subtlety and all mischief, Thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right right ways of the Lord? So he sets his eyes on who? That false prophet. And he says, are you going to, you're full of all subtlety. Well, who else was subtle? Satan. Satan. 
We know that, right? He says what? Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? What, are this, what is this unbelieving, the, the apostate Israel, what are they doing with the ways of the Lord? Is there what? They've, they've perverted it. He's saying, are you not going to stop perverting the, way, the right way of the Lord? Notice verse 11. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. And thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. Now, what's he say? This false prophet, Elimaeus, who he tells us is a Jew, he's a picture of what? He's a, he's a picture of apostate Israel. And of course, the Gentile is who? Well, that's all the Gentiles. So then, what do we see here? Saul is talking to apostate Israel, and he says what? And now, notice, now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt, not, thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. What's the very first miracle that Paul performs is a blinding of, the, of a Jew there, which is a representative of who? Apostate Israel. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Now, what's interesting is you've got apostate Israel out here, and what are they doing? They're going around seeking somebody to lead them by the hand because they're blinded. So you have apostate Israel is trying to prevent Saul from preaching to a Gentile. Well, do we see that any other time? Well, what about Acts 15? What does what unbelieving apostate Israel tell the people in, in Galatia is what? Unless you're circumcised after the manner of Moses, you can't be saved. They're trying, to, they're trying to persuade the Gentile people in Galatia, you're not actually saved unless you do what we tell you to do. That's why Paul got on them in Galatians 1. And that's why Paul got on them in Galatians 1, because they should have known. But what do we have here? Continue on. Verse 12. Then the deputy, who is a picture of the Gentiles there, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now what's the doctrine there? The doctrine is there is a blinding of the Jews for salvation to go to the Gentiles. That's Romans 11.25. They're blinded until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And the doctrine there, that doctrine of the Lord is the, the, the apostate nation of Israel is blinded. Salvation is going to really everybody. All right? So, <clears throat> real quick, go back. So, here we have through the blinding of, of, of a particular Jew, you have salvation goes uh, to the Gentiles. Go real quick back over to Romans chapter 11. <clears throat> Now, uh, on your way there, stop at 
um, Romans chapter 9. Because again, remind, remind ourselves where we are in the book of Romans is chapters 9, 10, and 11, which are the, the great dispensational discourse, if you will, to let us know what about the nation of Israel. Because in chapters 1 through 8, we find out a whole bunch of fantastic things that are true about the church, the body of Christ. And you get to Romans chapter 9, and of course the question would be, well, what about Israel? And Paul starts dealing with what's going on with the nation of Israel. Notice here real quick, and I want you to think about this in the context of what we're dealing with there. Uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 6. Um, let's start off in verse 4. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the, and the service of God and the promises? Who are the fa- whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all God blessed forever? Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Now, what I want you to think about that when you're thinking about this is what? He says, what? Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. Did the word of God take effect for a group of people? That's in that, the nation of Israel. Yes. Yes. Christ calls them the little flock. But what about these other people down here? Didn't take effect. Didn't take effect. So then... When you look and he says, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. So then what do we know about these people down here now is what? They're apostate. The word of God's not taking effect. And we're going to see, we're going to see some things that take place with that one. Go back over to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. Again. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So this, this blinding here for apostate Israel, how long is that going to last? Well, what's he say there? Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, right? Now, there's a difference between the times of the Gentiles and the fullness of the Gentiles. When did the times of the Gentiles begin? Well, the times of the Gentiles began way back here um, when Israel goes off into captivity. The fullness of the Gentiles has to do specifically with what God is doing today in the dispensation of the grace of God. Now, what a lot of people do is they'll come along and they'll say, well, the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. What that means is there's a certain number of people that God says the body of Christ is going to have a certain number of people, and when I get to that number of person being saved, then the rapture is going to happen. Well, I don't, I don't see that being a thing. Does God have a dispensation that he is currently taking and put it in place, put it into effect that he has a purpose for. Is there a purpose for it? Yes. There's a purpose for the church, for the church, the body of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. What God's doing today when he gets that purpose fulfilled, what's that purpose? Well, part of it, 
You know, you know, over in in Second Thessalonians chapter two, that he that now letteth will let and all that stuff, and everybody's like, is that the body of Christ or is that the Holy Spirit and all that stuff? Um, there's a purpose that God's withholding His wrath right now um, by this by this nation by the by the by the church, the body of Christ, and when that purpose is fulfilled, then we're gone, right? Um, what a lot of people do is they'll come in and say, there's a particular number. I don't see that anywhere at all, but I do see that there is a purpose for the church, the body of Christ, to fulfill, and when the fulfillment of that church, the body of Christ, is done, then he no longer needs us here. We're to be ambassadors, right? Well, I wonder why it says come in. That's the part that... Because it's not, it's not taking place yet. To become in. It's it's not here yet, but when the when the fullness of the Gentiles become in, um, when when his purpose for the for forming the body of Christ is completed. Um I don't see anywhere in scripture where you'd see there's a number. Now, what people do with that is they'll say, since there's a number, then what we need to do is go get people saved because if you preach salvation that person gets saved. You never know when that's the last person that that God set to, and all that stuff. Will that um, be the last person? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But that's not the stipulation. Yeah, the stipulation is not a number. Yeah. Uh, stipulation has to do with the fullness of it. What's the purpose of yeah. it? Um, so it's not a number; it's a purpose. What's the purpose for forming the church, the body of Christ? Um, and that that's the real issue. That's the real deal, right? Um, and, and so that's one of those things that, that people get into. But notice, what Paul is telling the folks at Rome is, and, and of course this, and this is coming towards the end of Romans chapter 11, right? And he's dealing with some things saying, I don't want you to be ignorant that blindness in part has happened to Israel. <clears throat> and right before this, <clears throat> Right before this, what's he talk about? He talks about the grafting in stuff, right? So don't think that what God, you know, and, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can get into with this. When, when God says these people are blind and those people are no longer blind, but these people right here are blind, what has he done? He's cut them off. But don't think... Don't think too highly of yourself that you're the ones that's going to take their place and you're becoming the spiritual leader because that's what people do with Romans 11 is they use Romans 11 to say we're spiritual Israel, we're replacement Israel. And they use that graphing in thing and that's just an exact, that, it's, not, it's not something that's going on. What he's dealing with there, he's, he's given us, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <clears throat> A picture, really, saying he's going to cut these people off. He's not grafting you in, saying you're going to be spiritual Israel. What he's saying is there's something going on, and what he's dealing with is all these people right here. He can go to all of them at the exact same time. And that's why when we get down here at the end, he says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conceits. Don't think you're so high that that's why what's going on. Because... He could just as easily remove the veil from their eyes. And then you're back in, and that's what's going to take place over there, right? But that, you know, the whole graphing in thing, there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, continue on, verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved 
As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Now I want you to stop and think about this real quick. Is God finished with Israel? No. no. That's the point of this. There's a time when their blindness will no longer be in effect. And he says what? And so all Israel shall be saved, but as it, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Uh, for this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. Uh, you notice there, that's Father's lowercase f, plural, which is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right? For the gifts of, and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet now have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. They've obtained mercy through Israel, that apostate Israel's unbelief. Um, even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. And one of the things that I've got written down here is there's, there's God did a, a wonderful thing. And you think about this. That apostate Israel... Could they have been saved under their message that, they, that the little flock was teaching after the stoning of Stephen? The answer is no. He did them a great favor by raising up Saul and giving to him some new information that they could be saved by. And that's an interesting thing to think about as you go down through there and you think about this. Notice, Verse, verse 32, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. This is the best part. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. <laughs> would you have ever imagined, if you set up salvation for a group of people, would you imagine going down taking upon their form, go to a cross, be crucified, buried, risen again, and then say, I'm going to save everybody through the death, burial, and resurrection that I've been a partaker in. And not only that, but I'm going to be able to do exactly what I said back here in the Old Testament. I'm going to do that through the exact same event. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. That's a wonderful way to end chapter 11. What he's dealing with there is saying, there is something that God's doing today through the blinding of the nation of Israel so that he might be able to have what? Mercy upon both unbelieving Israel then and the Gentiles all throughout history from then on. And he comes down and says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
We would have never thought about that. No one in history would have ever thought about doing it that way. And again, he's not finished with what he's doing with the nation of Israel. He will complete that one day. That's why that the Romans 11 is used oftentimes for the replacement theology. Um, and that's the misunderstanding of the grafting, thinking it's an actual thing that's taking place. He's giving us an example there is what he's doing. Um, as you go down through there and you read that, all right? Um, so, <clears throat> questions, 